0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host for this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by ProServe PR Marketing, which is the home of the ProServe Club in Chicagoland and Southern California. Please show your support for our programming by visiting and clicking the Like button on our Law Talk Radio Facebook page, and you'll find links to a variety of episodes. Don't forget that you can also listen to any of our episodes on demand when you find those at the radio show page at ProServePR.com. There's an embedded player there, or Again, if you uh, search for Law Talk Radio on Facebook, the same link to listen to the show live is the same uh, link for all the on-demand episodes. So we encourage you to check out this and other episodes. Um, We've got uh, another guest coming back. We have a series on the 9-11 Commission Report and things that were going on. Prior to, uh, during, and subsequent to um, the attacks on 9-11, that's where I think at show six or seven in the series, Donna Adler of Oakbrook Terrace, uh, is our is our guest on that She spends so much time preparing for those Anyways, you can find all these great shows and more At Law Talk Radio's Facebook page I want to let you know that support for both Law and Money Talk Radio Comes from Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners With expert guidance and exclusive access To Northwestern Mutual's life and disability insurance policies The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company Milwaukee, Wisconsin Now, today's show is an exciting show I've been uh, talking about it a lot. Um, the title is the California Vexatious litigant Statute with Robert Townsend. Um, you think that you have access to the California courts as a pro se litigant Well, you are correct, but there are limitations. Do you want to sue Bank of America Chase or Wells Fargo after the housing bubble? I've heard a lot of you talking about that, and you should probably hire a lawyer or you might possibly be declared a a vexatious litigant. So we're going to take a a look into this. I am new to this issue and I look forward to learning more about it. Our guest Robert Townsend is a certified legal investigator and former NALI, which is the National Association for Legal Investigators director. He's going to walk us through some of the issues facing litigants who seek access to the courts and some of the thoughts on this law and whether it may be outdated or whether there's room to change the law to make things more constitutional and more fair. Robert Townsend is not a California licensed attorney. However, he is a certified legal investigator and former two-term national director of the National Association for Legal Investigators. He's also a seasoned veteran of more than 50 years of field investigation, also doing adjusting and work in catastrophic personal injury, civil litigation, and 11th hour trial support. This former U.S. Marine served with the NIS and was assigned to criminal investigations in the Orient. Today, Townsend advocates for the rights of pro se litigants in California courts. Not everyone likes the message, but there is an appreciable issue among pro se litigants in California and nationwide. To learn more about the resources that Robert Townsend is putting together with his team of experts, you can visit www.prose litigation.com that's P R O dash or hyphen rather S E hyphen Litigation.com. We do have a special offer for everyone tonight. Our special offer is a giveaway. All you need to do is whether you're listening live or on demand, send me an email to the following email address, Nick Nick at proservepr.com, which is P-R-O-S-E-R-V-E-P-R dot com. And in your subject line, simply write I listen to Law Talk Radio. And if you send me that email, I'll send you a free copy of my book, which is The First Floor, SEO Tips and Updates, the February 2012 edition, and that's part of the Nick's Guide on DIY. PR Marketing Series. So, again, uh, we collect these actually for our sponsors. They like to see um, all sorts of data on who listens to our show, where you're located, uh, and what shows you're listening to. So, uh, help us, help them, and we'll help each other. We want to welcome up to callers this afternoon. Our show is a neutral and objective show. Today, we're going to be, again, exploring the vexatious litigation statute from an objective standpoint, and we're interested in attorney and non-attorney feedback. If you have the opportunity, you may call in at 917-889-9732. Press option one to be placed in the caller queue. The number, again, is 917-889-9732, option one. Quick disclaimer. This is a general information and entertainment program. The advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with licensed professionals and attorneys on our shows does not create client relationships. ProServe PR Marketing does not necessarily endorse all of the opinions expressed by our guests. Finally, all callers remain confidential, and rights to this broadcast are reserved. All right. So some of the topics we're going to cover on our show before we say hello to our guest, we're going to first give a 30,000-foot view. For those of you listening on a a time constraint, we're going to talk about the public's right to access to the courts in California and nationwide. Uh, We're going to talk next in our second segment, we're going to cover all these real quickly up front, but in our second segment, we'll talk about access to information and the right to redress, and the catalyst being right now this housing bubble. Uh, We'll talk in our third segment about California's method for controlling the dockets and its say, litigant population, and finally, uh, during our last 15-minute segment, we'll talk about some action items and steps that you can take to learn more about the vexatious litigation statute, the problem of crowding of courts, other solutions, and some best practices. So, without further ado, I'm so glad to uh, welcome our guest, Robert Townsend.
0: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
1: Robert, I'm so glad that you gave us uh, some slice of your valuable time today in uh, highlighting some of the little-known uh, little intricacies of this vexatious litigation statute. First of all, tell us a little bit about your professional career and um, your role in the litigation process uh, in your career.
0: You uh, gave me such an introduction, there's very little to add to it. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> you seem to know me better than I know myself.
1: That's why uh, they pay me the big bucks. Ha.
0: No, the uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, uh, when I became semi-retired, there were a few issues that I had uh, with some uh, banks and retailers, and so I decided to take them to court as a, as a uh, self-represented uh, litigant thinking that with my experience and my background, I'd be able to handle it with no problem.
1: Well, you I spent didn't... a lot of time in court. As, a, as an investigator, I'm sure, how many trials have you participated in your professional career?
0: Oh, um, so many I've lost count. Uh, the uh, uh, the experience in court from a testifying standpoint as a witness or as an expert uh, is totally different than when you're in front of that judge presenting your own case as a pro se Lydian. Uh, the judge uh, and rightly so uh expects those that appear in front of them to be prepared to uh, have knowledge of the case and why they 're there and how to present their case and to know the procedures and that 's where the pro se litigant gets them, uh, gets themselves in trouble is right. not knowing the procedures
1: correct correct you know and it 's one of the things that i 've experienced as well um when i was before I entered the world of public relations and marketing. Uh, for lawyers and specifically focusing on uh, uh, high-end personal injury cases is kind of a niche thing myself Um, I was working as a litigation consultant with several attorneys in uh, DuPage County Illinois and I remember spending uh, time in court in uh, Illinois in the suburban areas and in Cook County Courts where I was working with a solo attorney, and I was litigation assistance and support, and we were you know, up against pro se defendants from time to time, and I've experienced how difficult it is when someone doesn't know the procedure, they don't understand the order, and the biggest problem, I think, is that judges are concerned that if people don't know what's going on and don't understand the process, there's, uh, there's problems there.
0: Yes, and uh, again, if you're going to represent yourself, uh, show the courtesy to the courts. To at least get acquainted with the uh, the procedures, the the fundamental procedures. Now, if you have a major case, a major personal injury, uh, by all means, you need to retain an attorney. But if you uh, are uh, you're upset over your mortgage and the way it's been handled by your bank, uh, you have a checking account uh, that they've reordered your checks in to, maximi- to maximize overdraft uh, fees, and you wish to take it to court uh, and be self represented the case does not have the substance that would attract an attorney's interest, by all means, do so. If your case has merit, do so. But prepare yourself and learn the procedures, and then you're going to be able to impress that judge when you step before them. And remember, your first impression is going to be a lasting impression.
1: Right. You know, and, um, you know, in my background, when I was growing up, my uncle was a judge of general jurisdiction. He was the only judge in a rural county, and I can remember, um you know, how many different things he dealt with. And I had discussions with him about just this and and pro se's appearing in court. And um, so, again, thank you, Robert, for drawing the distinction between uh, something that is very complex versus something that um, most well-educated individuals can likely handle themselves. And, uh, you know, I've seen – I've been in depositions with uh, very savvy CEOs of companies uh, and other professionals who really know their stuff, but, again – just because you know one industry you could be a hedge fund manager doesn't mean you understand a basic civil procedure so uh... to not confuse and clog the court stock it is important And i thank you for highlighting that note now some of the the things that we're going to talk about today are some of the problems potentially with this uh... vexatious litigation statute one of the things that i noted is that the law was passed in nineteen sixty three i have not had a chance to look at any of the comments or legislative history i do have a sixty three page uh... Law law review article here from southern california law review titled the california vexatious litigant statute a semicolon a viable judicial tool to deny the clever Obstructionists access question mark now before um before i uh, ask you to comment um on that I I note that a friend of mine used to work at the uh, Court of Appeals, uh, not not long out of law school, and she dealt with a lot of the serial litigants, as they would call them, and they were people from prison um, who had nothing to do all day. But um, I don't want to say they have nothing to do all day, but um, they would file different cases because the food wasn't good, they're not getting enough exercise, this or that. And granted, there's a constitutional. A provision for that and they should if there are violations but um, they call them the serial litigants and i wonder if some of those things were you know in the legislative history and now we have a more sophisticated audience out there now most people can go to a local law library and get access to westlaw on their own and um, and can handle a lot of these things but here we have this law And they're talking about clever obstructionists. Well, I suppose there may be clever obstructionists, but when I took a look at this law, and I'm still learning it myself, admittedly, and I'm not a licensed California attorney, I cannot give advice on this, but what I'm reading this I'm seeing there's a lot of discretion here, and the thing that really kind of freaks me out is you can get put on this list. So you know, it's it's kind of, <laughs> it reminds me of McCarthyism, and I can joke about that because I was um, I wasn't born, but I went to high school in Appleton, Wisconsin, which was the home of uh, mm-hmm. Senator Joseph McCarthy. So I know a little bit about from history about McCarthyism. I'm not saying anything about this. I just think that potentially what I'd like to cover today is whether this law is still uh, you know. What can we do here to make a better system for everyone?
0: The law is so outdated, and I'm old enough to remember the McCarthy hearings. And believe me, the way the law is structured and the way it's abused, um, the analogy is right on. Take, for instance, the, um, as you said, the California vexatious litigation statute has been. Uh, in effect since 1963. And it was designed to c- curtail frivolous litigation and meritless litigation, which I wholeheartedly support. But they're pointing the finger at the wrong guy. The pro se litigant in a civil case is not the person that's causing the clogging of the courts. Take, for instance, that 90% of the pro se Rise out of divorce, or landlord-tenant, traffic, and family law cases. It involves support and custody and visitation issues. It does not involve the civil litigant who's trying to recover from injury and damage caused to him. But back to the 1963. That means the law has been in effect for approximately 49 years. In California, we file consistently 1.4 million civil cases in California on average annually. That means since 1963, in the 49 years, there have been 68.6 million lawsuits filed. Out of the 68.6 million lawsuits, only 1,739 individuals have been designated vexatious in the civil litigation arena. That means only 29.47 pro se litigants are deemed vexatious each year, 2.45 per month, and .49 per five-day week. Now, if that's a burden on the courts, as they always indicate, then we have a problem that's far deeper than so-called frivolous lawsuits and vexatious litigants.
1: You know the uh, the thought that I'm you know the thing the first thing that's coming into my head is I wonder if um, well I would assume that I'll say this if I were a judge and I had someone who had been you know approaching that mark of being listed and declared a vexatious litigant I might strongly uh, advise that individual that they're in you know some sort of jeopardy of that happening if, again, you believe that the person is um, being an obstructionist, but Again, um, it's we're going to talk a little – we're going to pause for our first break and then come back and talk a little bit about the process and, and what really happens if you are declared a vexatious litigant um, in this list and how can you get off this list or what can you do and what how do we approach this law from a way that uh, both the lawyers, the pro se litigants, the judges – everyone can uh, work together and create a better law – and, you know, maybe there's cases uh, coming up in the, in the courts and coming down the lines and some decisions uh, that, will be, that will be happening. So, again, our purpose today, and this will be, I would say, probably the beginning in um, likely a series where we're going to come back and revisit this as we dig deeper and learn more. Um, this is our introductory show on this topic, and we'd like to create some awareness and get an educational and academic discussion going about this California vexatious litigant statute. Our first event message we want to tell you about tonight, uh, the third session of the Get More Clients, Grow Your Practice series takes place on Wednesday, March 28th at 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific. The topic will be developing and leveraging organic content. You can join this teleconference and follow along with the PowerPoint as Jim Thompson and I teach PR marketing to lawyers and other business professionals. You can find the information on our workshops page at proservepr.com. Jim and I agreed to offer the first uh, three of courses for free with the suggested donation of $25, but after the March event, our free offer terminates and we'll be resuming our $25 per course per session uh, price. Of course, we use the honor system and trust you'll send in a payment, etc., etc., but if you want to join Join the ProServe Club, which is our new members-only section of our website, still in its launch process. It should be uh, up and running shortly. We're still waiting for a few of our um, content contributors to uh, submit their final um Final works for our first month. Um, So anyways, uh, members will receive a free attendance to all of our teleseminars and webinars with the paid membership. So again, mark your calendars and uh, you'll be seeing more information from us. The second session, I'm sorry, the third session of Get More Clients, Grow Your Practice on Wednesday, March 28th, 7 Central, 5 Pacific. Also, quickly want to let you know about Nancy Minard and Let It Limited. Uh, the Let It Limited series on uh, different continuing legal education topics really knocks one out of the park. With the March 26th event, it's all about the best interest of the child. Best interest of the child standards here in Illinois are updated, and the updates and changes will be discussed over this 6.25 professional responsibility credit seminar. It takes place all day. You can attend the morning or the afternoon sessions. Again, it's been approved by the Illinois Supreme Court for 6.25 MCLE credits on ethics and professional responsibility. Folks, those are not easy to come by, so you can get your full um, full requirement done in one day. Uh, you can uh, find out more information from Nancy directly. Email her at nancyledded at gmail.com, and I'll spell that N A N C Y L E D D E D at gmail.com again Nancy Minard she produces some really top quality CLEs Um, she bounces back and forth from uh, Chicago and California like I do I always try to track her down when she's in town and attend one of her programs because all the top judges and people national professionals from all over the country uh, fly in she brings in wonderful speakers for these programs and it's so important for anyone who practices in domestic relations Um, attorneys and non-attorneys alike uh, should have access to this information. Very, very important. Uh, Again, March 26th, all-day event. It's located here in Chicago. I believe it will be at the East Bank Club. Again, you can uh, also contact me directly if you want more information. You can call me at 949-478- Four six one zero again nine four nine four seven eight forty six ten. All right, now we get back to our show and we're talking with our guest Robert Townsend, who is a veteran of legal investigation, has pr- been participated in countless trials in complex litigation in the state of California. And now we're talking about the California vexatious litigant statute and the rush of um, awareness and press that this uh, vexatious litigant statute has. Um, a scene in recent in recent time with the housing bubble uh... burst and again the increased access to information through technology, and how many educated uh, people out there are able to petition the court for proper redress so long as they follow proper procedure? Um, pro se resources are out there, and Robert Townsend and his group of professionals are creating a great uh, system uh, to connect people with attorneys and also to help them find the resources they need. I know in uh, some courts we have family night court, and actual attorneys volunteer to help write the court orders because I've always found when working as a litigation support assistant uh, and doing different things in litigation that um, things fall off the order and it's really hard to get them back on later. And and when dealing with pro se litigants. It's such an important thing. Um, Again, in our first 15-minute segment, we talked a little bit about the background and that this is a a statute from 1963. So much has changed. Potentially, this is outdated and needs some reform. So uh, we are exploring the different um, uh, topics here, uh, and that is our focus for this hour. So, Robert, uh, take us uh, to the next step. What happens when someone is on the vexatious litigant statute and they're on that list, so to speak, what happens to them?
0: Well, uh, again, going back to the McCarthy days, uh, the um, California vexatious litigant statute is uh, entitled uh, California Code of Civil Procedure 391.7. That is now being updated uh, by SB 603 by a senator in California by the name of Berryhill. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that is that Senator Barry Hill feels uh, that the um, uh, pro se litigant statute should be, I mean the vexatious litigant statute should be even more draconian. And interestingly, vexatious litigant status does not apply to attorneys. It only applies to the pro se litigant. This means that when you're uh, in litigation, the opposing attorney can file meritless motions Uh, can tie you up in what they call a meet-and-confer over discovery by, you know, simply blanketing uh, with boilerplate answers to your discovery, and you go in to make your motion and keep in mind, under the statute, five losses finally decided against you in seven years. You can be declared a a vexatious Lydian. And then you go on this list in California, along with 1,739 other individuals, and you have this scarlet label. Um, attached to you and no one but no one is willing to give you the time of day once that happens in addition you're required if you wish to bring a lawsuit to obtain a pre-filing order from the very court you wish to bring your lawsuit in
1: Uh, i have a question really quick so once you are on this list it sounds, I mean, one of the things I taught us in law school is don't be the guy who takes the file that's been to five offices already. Um, it's a red It's a red herring, you know. Um, so if you have someone who's been declared a vexatious litigant, I think it might be even harder to hire a lawyer. And just to make a quick uh, comment on, on your point earlier that, yes, it seems that this – uh uh Civil Procedure Code does not cover the attorneys, but they're you know they're under penalty of perjury they can't file uh malicious or um bogus pleadings either. I mean they have their own uh you know rules on that but uh I can see how how robert this can, this is a really problematic thing here. How can you get off this list?
0: You go back to the judge that declared you a vexatious litigant once a year mm-hmm. and you ask him to lift the label now. I submit to you, once a judge declares you a vexatious litigant, how likely is it he's going to lift that label? And incidentally, in California, in order to have that label lifted or considered to be lifted, you have to show that you're repentant, that you have stopped filing any lawsuits, and, oh, by the way, that you've reimbursed the opposition on those cases that you did bring that you lost, their legal fees and their costs.
1: I'm sorry. Did you say repentant? Yes. I have a problem with that personally, but that's my <laughs> that's my. I, I was in a court once, and and um and you know granted when my uncle was on the bench, he would you know in alternative to incarceration, he would basically um, you know take. Offenders and uh, sentence them to, you know, b- learn a skilled trade and go build the ice uh, arena in in their town and, and things like that. Um, but I've and that's a really good thing, uh, you know, helping someone, you know, learn to help themselves and earn a skill while they're doing it. But the um, the moral uh, implications of the apology letters I've seen to courts. I was in a court in Wisconsin once where they were asked, the judge asked an individual to, uh, you know, tender their letter of apology to, I mean, you're apologizing to the state almost in that sense. And um, I personally have a, you know, this is an objective show, but I think that's a little much. Um, so what, what if you have a judge who just does not like you and you have rubbed this person the wrong way? Do you have an opportunity to appeal
0: no, there is no direct appeal. What happens is once you're declared a vexatious litigant, anything you do beyond that, you have to find another avenue, another cause of action in the decision to appeal, and within that appeal, bring up the fact that you object to having been declared a vexatious litigant, and then bring your arguments to support your position. hmm uh-huh. You know at pro se litigation dot com, uh, th- this is what we intend to do. This is uh, we have a petition to overturn and amend CCP three ninety one point seven, the California vexatious litigation statute, and hopefully that can be a template throughout the nation.
1: Well, you know, and Robert, I think the important thing is to find members of the bench and of the bar and of bar associations who support a reasonable, uh, you know, reasonable amendment or or change to this law i mean i can i can see both sides of this argument after after digging into this again some of the implications i think some of this might be outdated and as you said draconian um but i can i can appreciate the need for having something on the books just maybe something that's uh a little you know a little different like maybe send it to another judge send it to you know what if you're maybe maybe if you're on the vexatious list you are sent to a panel of, uh, you know, mediators or arbitrators or someone else who can maybe sort it out or they can transfer you to a different judge. I mean, um, you know, I have less experience in California courts, more experience in Illinois courts. And, um, you know, in Cook County, you have one judge for the initial motion call, another judge for a hearing. I mean, it's you don't get the same judge from A to B to C. There's, you know, whoever's, you know, there that day. So very different worlds. And you know, I, California is by no means the only state dealing with this. Uh, I found a couple articles. Uh, Florida also has a lot of similar issues, and I, I suspect that nationwide there are similar uh, statutes on the books. So again, I think that would be a good thing to find people who support a modification of this rule and this law, and making it more fair and more reasonable in 2012. Do you agree with me? I certainly
0: do, and it does apply in all 50 states, and it also applies at the federal level. All the uh, vexatious litigant statutes are substantially similar. Yeah, that needs to change.
1: It's you know, Again, it's. I'm just flipping through. I'm looking for interesting meat here in this uh, Law Review article, but I also have uh, – I pulled this off Wikipedia, which – I do not ever cite is, obviously it's not legal authority by any stretch, but um, for, you know, interesting, some notable vexation litigants, Church of Scientology, um, Scientologists have been accused of abusing the federal court system, there's there's a case there, David Eastman, uh, convicted of murder of Australian Federal Police Assistant Commissioner Winchester, he shot twice in the head at point blank range um what else you know there are some a lot of cases out of australia and you know not as many famous uh not as famous people here robert you might be the only one <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, uh, uh and notice most of the cases you're citing deal with criminality right and those frivolous lawsuits are usually brought by the inmate as you say, about bad food or he's being mistreated or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. Very few pro se litigants in civil litigation are deemed vexatious. The numbers I gave you earlier speak for that. And that can be easily controlled. I'm totally supportive of a vexatious litigant statute. I'm just troubled by how it's enforced. And by that enforcement, it, can, it is subject to such abuse, and is abused by our courts, and it needs to be rectified. I agree with you. If a judge says, hey, I don't like you, and I'm going to issue a sua sponte order to show cause why you should not be declared a vexatious litigant, he should not be the one that's hearing that case, Are the merits of the argument as to whether the subject of the order to show cause is indeed a vexatious litigant. Now at pro se litigation dot com, we hope that the bar associations, the judiciary, and practicing attorneys get on and support what we're attempting to do. You would think that they would, if indeed well, there's a pro se litigant uh, onslaught of meritless and, and frivolous lawsuits.
1: Oh, and that is, and I, I agree. And I'll say this: the, uh, the the deeds of a few cloak the many and I have, I heard from one attorney I know who is dealing with a foreclosure issue right now, a sole practitioner who uh, missed a discovery deadline and this judge just basically, you know, threw this person under the bus and the person commented to me, I really think so-and-so is pro-bank and I'm just gonna, fine, I'm just gonna build my record for appeal and I'm gonna appeal and I'm gonna take this up and i said more power to you and i think that there are more, you know but anyways i don't think that all that's not happening in all the cases you could have you know a, a one thing that most people don't know is that most judges on the superior court level in california and in uh, illinois in our circuit courts are are there because they're appointed by other? They're appointed by the by the they're appointed by the court and then they run for retention. So uh, bar associations have a lot to do with this. There's you know it's a very interesting process on the track to become a judge, and I don't think that every judge gets it right. Always obviously that's why we have our appellate courts, and it just seems to me on face value that we need a better system to again not only help the pro se litigants navigate with more education and know what they're doing within civil procedure, but also when they do that, I think that it will give our judiciary and will give our bar associations and give our members of the bar better standing in the community. And when people realize that lawyers are there to help you navigate the law and come to a proper resolution. Um, it's very frustrating when courts are very crowded. I've been in courtrooms where all of the uh, foreclosures and cases are going on, and there are so many people in that room that it is just mind-boggling. And I cannot imagine having to be the defense counsel representing one of those banks, sitting up there, you know, one after the next, and then they have to go through and you know plug through uh, numerous orders. Trust me, folks, this is not a glamorous job, and I don't envy those practitioners one bit it's a very tough job they're doing um and you know we all want to you we have to remember that within the entire court system everyone is doing a job within a system and i don't i personally don't think that it's the fault of any one person it's the fault of a system that's been overburdened and bogged down by Time, circumstance and everything else. Trust me, no one wanted a housing bubble burst. People would be much happier not to be in court in the first place. So I think that when we, uh, as we do more uh, inquiry here, uh, Robert, we'll find more people who are interested in helping making better laws and helping uh, prepare More, you know, some good and proper resources for and help promote resources for the pro se litigants who really cannot afford attorneys sometimes. And we had our guest on Chaz Rampenthal, general counsel for Legal Zoom, was our guest a couple, uh, well, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And you know, one of the things that he mentioned was there is there are people out there who cannot afford access to, they cannot afford to hire a lawyer, um, and they're looking for information to help themselves. With simple, simple procedures. Um, so it just seems that everyone can uh, benefit from more education and attention to this.
0: Well, and, and you you understand uh, that once you learn the procedures, you file timely. You prepare a proper motion. And, and, and adhere to all the other procedures within a courtroom, you're going to gain respect. And if you're a lawyer opposing a pro se, you would think that that lawyer would want that pro se to be as educated and follow procedure as well as they can to make his job easier. And at ProSeLitigation.com, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to unbundle legal services to provide a platform to access and obtain limited legal services where an attorney performs and the pro se pays. At a major discount, only for those discrete tasks at the pro se request.
1: And you know, I think it's a good idea so long as uh, the attorney disclaims the limits of. I could see where you could run into problems. I can see people who would say that's a dangerous situation. Um, You know, I could see attorneys saying, uh, you know, what am I on the hook for? What am I not on the hook for? No one wants a bar complaint, but it's it's the process is issue spotting some of those some of those issues and cutting them off the past and setting up a system, Um, you know, our our legal system generally is changing and technology and society and everything else going on in the world is is changing the landscape and it's time that we um, you know, take our industry and you know, meet where other industries are moving forward and really succeeding. I think there are plenty of ways for, um, you know, I write, I've written for Chicago Lawyer Magazine for several years now, the Attorneys in Transition column, and I've talked to so many young lawyers who can't find jobs, and it's just our system needs to adapt to to society and time, and that's what we need to do. So we're going to pause for a quick break. I'm going to tell you uh, about, our Trusted Resources pages and the ProServe Club very quickly, and then we're going to get back to our program. I want to remind our listening audience that if you go to ProServe PR Marketing, at, and the, the domain is proservepr.com, P-R-O-S-E-R-V-E-P-R.com, we have a Trusted uh, page for Trusted Illinois and California Attorneys as well as nationwide professionals, you can use this link uh, there's a link there to an application uh, so you can submit someone you believe is a trusted individual again when we talk about PR marketing at ProServe we are focused on again referrals and building relationships with those we know like and trust Um, so many people will use a lot of their fingers to do the searching online and will then follow up with others uh, through whatever means to find a referral of someone who someone can speak highly about, who's experienced the quality of their work, and so on and so forth. Also, check out the ProServe Club, which is our our new and still developing uh, members-only section of our website, which is really intended to, once we have more members there, um, do meetups and networking so people can encourage more referrals and meet up um, outside of uh, the normal work schedule. We're also going to host loads of uh, good resources there uh, from contributors, and I appreciate everyone's patients as we continue to uh get everything lined up and launch that we'll be giving free um it's going to be thirty dollars a month but we're likely going to continue to give free access to people as we continue developing and it stays in its beta mode um as soon as um so you'll probably hear from me telling you it's still free it's still free eventually we'll charge but i'm more likely to Uh, give things away so that everyone can um, learn and do better and and, uh, have a good time. So, at any rate, uh, check out the ProServe Club at proservepr.com. Now, back to our show. Again, our guest is Robert Townsend, and if you are just tuning in or clicking through your um, on demand episode, we're talking about the California Vexatious Litigant Statute. Uh, and it was a statute that was enacted in, in 1963. And uh, Robert Townsend, our guest, who is a former national director of the National Association of Legal Investigators and who has uh, participated in countless litigations uh, as a litigation support expert, um, we were talking a little bit about the. Um, who uh, Robert, you were talking about of the individual who I forget his name. I don't have it sheet in front of me. um, The person who is trying to make it a more, as you said, draconian uh, law, any, any idea, have you heard any comments on, on what's behind that? What's fueling that? Again, I always try to, uh, in business and politics, follow the surf, the wave of money and see where it's going. I'm just curious if there are special interest groups involved. I don't know. You know more about this than I do. I'm still learning. What do you think?
0: Uh, Senator Berryhill, um, uh, is a farmer, a very successful farmer.
1: Where is he? he? Uh,
0: He's in Fresno, California. Okay. And represents uh, that part of the San Joaquin Valley. Okay. And uh, he admits that he has been sued several times. And uh, as a result of his experience in being sued frivolously, as he perceives it, he wants to make the, pro se- uh, the vexatious litigant statute more strident when just the opposite needs to be done. You know, pro se litigants are a relatively powerless interest group. The group's lack of political influence results in little being done to remedy the difficulties posed by the rise in self-representation. And, and legislators like Senator Hill could solve this problem. By taking a more broad look at the entire picture than just focusing on what's happening to their particular business. Membership in the group is typically not by choice, but because the individual litigant lacks the money to hire an attorney. And the lack of resources limits the group's ability to garner similar attention from state lawmakers as the well funded. Groups do, such as Senator Barry Hill and his uh, um, counterparts of large farmers in the San Joaquin Valley of California. But more importantly, pro se litigants lack group cohesion. Membership in the group ends with the final disposition of the litigants' case. And without the funds or logistical capability to pool resources and act as an organized group to lobby the legislature, Pro se litigants fail to receive sufficient funding and services comparison to their need. To limit the right to self-represent would would reverse the access to the justice system only to limit true justice to those who can afford legal representation. The inefficiencies of a pro se litigant in its current state are also unacceptable and require a positive change, which is what we're hoping to accomplish.
1: As I listen to more and read more about this, I wonder what and I'll I'll just ask you, uh Robert, who if anyone do you know in in politics, in legislature, in Congress, uh representatives, senators, Are likely to, or interested, or have spoken out on any of these topics? Friends in your corner, so to speak. None that I'm aware of. Do you have any knowledge of any history of recent attempts to modify or work or change this law? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's plenty of cases out there. Um, Have you heard of anything?
0: Only uh, Senator Hill trying to make it uh, more draconian,
1: uh-huh. and
0: uh, he has uh, surprisingly strong support uh, from the California du- uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, and it's likely that it's going to pass. Uh, the um, uh, Again, one has to put themselves in the shoes of the pro se lydians and say, my goodness, I can actually be labeled for life here if I happen to lose my case. Or if I happen to upset the judge, that type of fear has to be taken away, and these cases need to be heard on their merit and their merit only.
1: Listed for life, so that that is that is one of the goals of the the, the bill.
0: Yes. Well, what did you? Uh,
1: what number is no, it? No, What's the bill number again?
0: Uh, SP uh, 603.
1: 603. So they're seeking with SB 603 is seeking listing for life.
0: Well, no, that already exists. That already exists. They just want to make, uh they want, uh SB 603 wants to make it so that if you are declared vexatious you have to pay up front
1: mm. a mm-hmm. bond
0: on any case or new case you wish to bring.
1: Ah, there's the money. So so who will make lots of money is the people, uh, the bond issuers and you know, all the bond companies.
0: Exactly. And consider the amount of a bond. Let's say you have to, uh, a judge uh, without any foundation decides that to defend a case that you, the pro se litigant or vexatious litigant, wish to pursue is going to cost the defense $100,000. So you have to post a bond in the amount of $100,000 or even $50,000. The cost of obtaining that bond is almost equal to the amount of the bond.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: the amount of the bond acts as a prior restraint to limit your access to the courts.
1: Constitutional Uh, problem.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And keep in mind, the reason we have this privilege, this freedom in the United States, is because of young men and women who have gone out and fought the battle, So our Constitution remains intact, and we have these freedoms. They have died. They repeatedly die, as we've seen in recent news. And for the pro se litigant not to exercise that freedom, in my viewpoint, is a crime of itself.
1: Very interesting, as I hear more from you on this, and I wonder what those bonds would i mean it's not uncommon to i mean any, anyone who's ever touched a probate case before you know it's good to get a, get a bond for almost anything sure. um but that's an attorney getting a that's it's, it just seems to be a different thing and to require someone who's well again i can see the argument on both sides but if it's i mean if you're labeled a vexatious litigant and you're a homeowner and you know, dealing with Bank of America, for example, and we've had Alan Sims has been on our show, um, who helped people in California courts he help the pro as an expert. You know, he fought Bank of America and won. You know, the you know it's there are all sorts of people. And again, if if you if your finances tanked in the you know in in everything that happened since two thousand seven two thousand eight, I can understand that people don't have money to even put this bond up. I mean, you're It's it's pretty what it seems like to me, and this is just my opinion. It seems like you're putting a price tag on um, going to court if you become you know declared a vexatious litigant, and you know God help you if you find one of these judges doesn't like you. So um, what are so we we talked a little bit, Robert, about efforts to you know lobby against this you know SB six L three, but also to increase the level of education of the the pro se litigants out there. Um, uh, Additionally, what types of changes do you think, based on your professional experience, do you think would be appropriate?
0: My belief is that the entire problem can be solved simply by this law being adjudicated as it was originally meant to be adjudicated and that it be subject to immediate direct appeal that the judge's uh decision be accompanied by a uh findings of fact law and conclusions to accompany it and that it can be appealed immediately when this ruling is made plus its appealed to an entirely different judge And if you go to the appellate court, you do not need to seek a pre-filing order prior to being able to file um, uh, your uh, your appeal. Um, And you do not need to put up a bond in order to file your appeal or to continue litigation of the case. The case has merit. It should be allowed to go forward. And there are many other areas in which the law can be changed.
1: Now, with the, pur- the proposed changes that you're talking about here, having, um, I'm thinking from the standpoint of judicial economy, which is uh, when most people who would defend uh, in more stringent uh, application of the law would talk about judicial economy, and I fully agree that we have clogged courts, um, and but I don't think, it doesn't strike me that with, with the number of people we're talking about um, being declared vexatious litigants, that it would be... Over, overly over burdensome uh, to ask for a direct appealability, or possibly a, a panel, or some sort of special new, you know, another just you know another person other than the first judge. I mean, you can, um, you know, most jurisdictions get a change of, um, you know, substitution of judge as a matter of right, um, and I just it makes sense that that, you know, whether. Anyways, I I just think that there are better ways, and um, I think that if you take the financial disincentive away and take this bond uh, issue away, I don't think that you're going to have a problem uh, with, again – The amount of flood of criminal cases and whatnot, which it seems to me, again, not having looked at the comments and the legislative history, but 1963, I suppose, there probably were a lot of people uh, in prisons and jails, you know, writing and appealing, and I really don't think that it would frustrate the original construction of the law, so it doesn't look like we really need to eliminate the law, but we need to change it make it better.
0: Exactly, and uh, there needs to be the appropriate evidence. There needs to be a uh, structure so that the um, judge, if he wishes to declare you a vexatious litigant, is held uh, to uh, following the law, and that um, uh, regardless of the outcome, if he finds you a vexatious litigant, that that he has to follow that with um, uh, finding a fact and make a complete record, as to why he determined that, so that when you go to make your appeal you have a basis on which to make your appeal.
1: Right. That makes sense. What are some other little known uh little known um elements of this statute and this law as I'm just kind of flipping through and looking at some of my notes and uh materials that I found today just uh by searching under Google. There's so there are actually quite a Quite a number of cases, 2002, 2007. I really don't see. I mean, they're they're talking about the law, but what else, Robert? What do you think?
0: Well, I th- I uh, I think that the uh, courts uh, should uh, set up a program similar to what we're trying to set up at Pro Se Litigation dot com, and that is ongoing access to an attorney uh, to guide. Uh, and teach the procedures of the courtroom, the fundamental procedures. That, uh, mm-hmm. They need to the timely file the, uh, the correct way to put together a uh, a motion. Walk um, us
1: walk us through from step. Walk us through from the initial phone call. Let's say someone finds out. You know, hopefully we can get a nice bar association to endorse and um, you know suggest that there are resources for everywhere. This is popping up. Bar associations love this kind of stuff. Um and it's it's good. It's it's a feel-good moment for a lot of people involved. So walk us through the process from um from beginning to end, how it would work as you see it with pro se litigation.com. Pro, uh,
0: pro State Litigant uh, uh comes in uh, oh from pro se Litigate, uh litigation.com or from the courtroom's perspective?
1: we well, uh, let's do both.
0: All right. Uh from uh pro se uh, litigation.com, first of all, go to the site, sign the petition to get uh, the, the law changed, and uh, send in a supportive letter. Secondly, um, look at the experts and attorneys that we have available to you that can guide you through the procedures. Let's say you have um, you you have a lawsuit that you want to file against uh, Bank of America or Wells Fargo because they charged you for overdraft fees that you felt were unfair. All right. There's a particular way to draft that complaint. You need to talk to somebody that can tell you exactly how that complaint can be drafted to present your case. You only need to make a a simple, straightforward allegation with some additional facts there to prevail and get beyond the pleading stage. But if you don't know how that's done, if you don't know the keywords to be used, the lawyers and the paralegals at ProSeLitigation.com will be able to give you that guidance. And, of course, there's no attorney relationship or client relationship to be established there. You're simply, uh, a la carte, buying the services that you need for that particular situation.
1: What's the attorney's liability? That's my question.
0: Well, there's a question about that as well, because of the ethics uh, uh, rules as they're currently drafted. But those ethics rules can be changed. Everything is going a la carte today. Um, Look around. Uh, Anything you wish to buy, or most things that you wish to buy, um, you can get on an as-needed basis. Uh, A piece of here, a piece there, Um, it doesn't matter. But in law, the attorneys are fearful uh, that they'll be obligated To move beyond and not provide a comprehensive set of legal services. Well, the entire point of pro se litigation.com is to unbundle those services so that the pro se uh, can seek the education necessary to move forward with this case without the benefit of, uh, or without the obligation on the attorney uh, to provide comprehensive legal services. And that's the ethics situation here in California.
1: Got it. Okay. So continuing on, uh, the experience from the pro se litigant who uses the service,
0: uh, who uses the service.
1: Yeah, who uses the pro se right. litigation. They icon. take
0: uh, they take their uh, complaint. They do the final draft. They submit it back. It's reviewed, and they say yes, uh, this may be viable. Then you go in and you file, and then you learn. You have to respond by a certain date, how you can respond, uh, when the answer is due, what to look for in the answer, make sure it's a verified answer right down the line. How to subpoena records, how to obtain a subpoena, the cost related to the subpoena, what records need to be provided. Those are the type of things that you can learn at uh, pro se uh, com. Now from
1: the perspective of the court,
0: pro se litigant comes in to the clerk, wants to file a lawsuit. The clerk can't give any legal advice. But what the clerk can do is direct the pro se litigant over to the pro se um, uh, litigation tutorial in the court where an attorney is sitting so that they can go over and get immediate consultation about what they're about to do. And then that attorney can set down the rules and the procedures, recommend reading materials to them, and recommend other tutorials so they at least have a basic knowledge of how to file that lawsuit, how to get it served, how to get before the judge, when the answer is due, how you do discovery, those type of things.
1: Now, when... I mean just I'm looking for both sides I'm trying to be objective and look at both sides of the argument I could see uh where I've I've been in situations where people with complex litigation uh, I've seen attorneys actually outsource some of the um litigation research um and discovery work to their to a client if the client's uh savvy enough to to work on some of that and it's it can be good, but it can be problematic also as well, because you can find yourself in a situation where you know enough to be dangerous. And I, I suppose that might be the concern of a lot of judges. Uh so I think it just makes sense to make sure that our pro-side litigants who are learning know that they know when to say when. And I'll say that some of the best lawyers out there are the people who know when they've reached the limits of their experience. And again, the value of a good attorney is someone who has experience dealing with different situations. They've seen it before. They anticipate what may likely happen. And there is absolutely no substance for that experience. Um, I will also submit that uh, someone who has been involved in litigation um, and knows the procedure, like yourself, Robert, um, likely can tell you how to run a trial much better than um, someone a few years out of law school who's um, who's going into court and uh, running trials. It's it's you know and it's an experience thing. So I can see again, I can see why this is an important statute to have in the books, but I am a little bit concerned about. Uh, the suggestion that it would be a more strict uh, statute, and this posting bond issue uh, causes concern. And any time I see money, and there's money to be made, um, and lobbying—I mean, look at everything going on right now with the uh, the super PACs. Nobody likes this. Neither the GOP or the Democrats like this. They both—they're both angry about it. Um, and so I think there's going to be much more that we're going to talk about on, on other shows coming up. Um, again, uh, we have about a couple minutes left uh, before we have to say goodbye today. But, Robert, again, a call to action to lawyers out there who are listening and to litigants and non-lawyers. What's the call to action to everybody?
0: call to action is to log on to com and to review the petition that we have to um, overturn, amend, or otherwise modify CCP 391.7 in California and thereafter to use that as a template uh, in other states. Um, We need to get this done. We need to level the playing field. Um, Attorneys are very important people, and they have this knowledge, but they're prohibited from providing unbundled legal services in many states, And thus, the pro se litigant has no opportunity to be guided as to what the procedures are.
1: I like that, unbundled legal services. Um, I agree that this is an opportunity for California to take a step forward and show its history to the rest of the country that... The state of California knows how to uh, craft things in a way to help people and get the job done. I want to thank Robert Townsend. Robert, thank you for your time today.
0: Well, thank you very much, Nick. It was a pleasure to be here, and, and we're gonna... I look forward to further discussions.
1: All right. Well, we are going to talk again. Again, uh, ways that people can get in touch with you.
0: Uh, com and Townsend at ProSatelitigation.com. Um, I, I cannot emphasize enough how much support we need in order to accomplish the tasks that we're setting out to accomplish, uh, to level the playing field for the uh, self-represented in California courts. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I want to make a, a mention as well that our shows, are neutral and objective shows here, um, none of our guests pay a fee or otherwise an advertorial type of program. That's been I've seen more and more of those kind of popping up uh, around and... Um, that is not my my interest is my interest in this is one of uh, an educational and academic pursuit I'm always curious when again I always say follow the money and that's the bond thing right there there it is Um, very interesting I personally am going to adopt this you know my other um, I'm kind of going over time here but my other cause is strings for kids Um, unfortunately a lot of budgets and schools have cut fine arts programs myself I grew up um, in with professional vocal and uh, music training in cello and we had the opportunity to work with touring groups and uh, performing and doing voiceover work and radio as a kid. And um, I think that you know that's my other cause. Is I think that we need to raise money and and give kids private lessons who otherwise can't get instruction. So that's my own little. So these. So now I have a couple of causes here. I, I hope I can extend some hours onto the 24-hour clock so I can work on some of these. So, anyways, I want to thank everybody for their time and tuning in either live or on demand. If you uh, also, we want to let you know if you visit um, Proserve PR Marketing. At proservepr.com, send us your recommendations for trusted Illinois and California attorneys. I want to also thank uh, Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual again. Chris Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners with the expert guidance and exclusive access to Northwestern Mutual's life and disability insurance policies of the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Again, Law Talk Radio episodes are programmed to entertain and also to bring our legal industry professionals, consumers, and guests the tips, tools, and news that they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers. With our guests and listeners located from coast to coast and globally, we appreciate the opportunity to use this social networked internet radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine for Law Talk Radio, and as always, I thank you for your time.